Welcome to Founders First, a show about mental health and entrepreneurship and how to build resilience to stay stronger, happier, and be more successful. You can engage more in the conversation by going to the App Store on your phone and searching Founders First Community. Our guest today is a true expert in handling stress, not just the stress from a deadline, but the kind of stress that comes from over 200 hours piloting an F-15C fighter jet in active combat loaded with weapons at over 1,000 miles an hour. He's now an entrepreneur with a master's degree in religious studies, of all things, and a practicing Buddhist. He's a sought-after human performance expert, and he draws on his wealth of experience to train entrepreneurs to better handle stress in their own lives. Our guest is Mark Williams. So, Mark, let me get right to it. You and your fellow pilots basically have to perform mentally and physically with mathematical precision through life and death situations while piloting $30 million aircraft at speeds of almost 2,000 miles an hour that also happen to be loaded with explosives. I'm fascinated by the fact that this is even humanly possible. I understand it's also so intense that it's just not sustainable over the long term. Now, while we might think there's so much similarity here to, or might not think there's so much similarity to entrepreneurship, that kind of intensity and the burnout it creates causes adrenal fatigue in entrepreneurs in a very similar way as they burn out trying to build their businesses. One of the things you talk about is how pushing back against this reality just of human frailty and limitations is a great way to set ourselves up for failure. Talk to us a little bit about how these two seemingly very different worlds are related and what happens when we try and fight the fact that Whatever we do professionally, we have our own limitations just because we're all human. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you know, and they're really actually, these two worlds are amazingly similar, you know, the entrepreneurial world and and the fighter pilot world. And, you know, in, in, in both cases, the people that show up to this party are generally speaking going to be fairly high intensity folks. And everybody wants to bring their best game to the table. And, you know, on the one side, the stakes are life and death. And on the other side, the stakes are, well, you're going to get a exit. You're going to change the world with your product, whatever the case might be. But, you know, the stakes are high in both worlds. Now, one difference about the fighter pilot world is, you know, it's not a pure brain game. And even though it is, you know, I think it's probably an overstatement to say mathematical precision because a lot of flying, especially when you're flying fighter jets, is gut. Um, you know, one of the things that's super important when you're flying like that in terms of performance is making sure you have the right amount of rest. So it is Air Force, you know, rule and regulation that you need eight hours of uninterrupted sleep every night. Hmm. Now, you know, and the reason they do that is because the number way to manage stress is to be able to sleep. And so as you start thinking about, you know, the high performance game, you know, one thing when you're in the startup world is, you know, the classic pizza and Red Bull, right? I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, and I'm just on this train. Well, you know, in the high performance world, the military, they know you can't do that nonstop. And they know that if you do that nonstop, the investment they put in you is going to be gone. And, you know, I'll tell you a story. When we were in the Gulf, when the war first kicked off, Frankly, we were undermanned because nobody really expected to go that far. And so we were flying basically nine to 12 hour missions in an F-15, right? You can't get up and go potty. It's like, okay, you got other kinds of problems. And you're up there in the sky doing loops. And we would go and then we'd land and we'd get about five, six hours of crew rest and then we'd launch again. And so a buddy of mine, you know, we're out there doing our little thing. And all of a sudden they say, hey, we got bad guys coming. And nobody had been sleeping. And so they push out and there's buttons that you turn on to make all those weapons that you talked about come alive. Well, there's also one button that you can push that makes all those things fall off the airplane. So you show up at the fight with nothing except a little machine gun. And that's the button that he pushed. And the reason that he pushed that was because he was so doggone tired that he forgot to turn the switch on that arms everything. And he pushed the button that made everything fall off the jet. So, you know, again, life and death, these are the consequences when you're not taking care of yourself. And so for me, you know, 
showing up in that world, high intensity and everything, it's like you want to have the best craft you possibly can. But what I loved about that world and what you see like in the NBA and other places is people realize you can't just burn the candle nonstop. And as a result of that, the self-care piece in terms of staying in shape, in terms of getting sleep, you know, all those kinds of things, those are front and center because when you're flying $100 million or $500 million airplanes, um, you know, losing an airplane frequently is not an option. And so they take care of the person. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so you're telling me that the military doesn't fill our uh, fighter pilots full of pizza and Red Bull. That's not the strategy. All nighters. <laughs> bad idea. Very bad idea. And, and, you know, and so, and so the culture is, 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 is all about, um, you know, showing up at your best game, but knowing what the edges of the human condition are and how do you manage to show up over and over and over so that you can do this thing super well. And I think that's what, you know, that becomes an interesting thing to talk about. And like, what does that really mean now when you don't have an overseer called the U.S. government taking care of you and yeah. forcing you to do that? Yeah, that's an interesting point, because I think a lot of us can assume that or maybe it's easy to assume that that people in some of these elite categories in military or in Olympics or in performance or in other areas where you, there's moments where you have to perform are just, you know, endure more pain or just tougher. They can, they, they can get away with sleeping two hours a night, right? They don't need the amount of sleep that us normal humans and the rest of the world need. Right. And yeah. it's pretty profound, right? They're, I mean, there's certainly a different breed and that's what, in entrepreneurship as well, right? Where right. our minds are different. <laughs> like it's just not the, not the general pool that falls into this, this category either. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what I'd like to, that's one of the things that's I think important to highlight. I mean, so I appreciate the really kind words in terms of the introduction and fighter pilot and all that kind of stuff. But honestly, at this point in my life, I look back and, you know, that's a, that was a, that was a point in my life. That was a persona in my life. And it's obviously I can access those aspects of me that showed up in that way. And, you know, to be super frank with you, and I think my wife would testify, you know, I can be a pretty high intensity cat. And but for me, though, the journey since I left flying jets and, and, and you know, haven't gone to combat, I think it's, it's a little bit like your, your big exit. You know, it's like you've been there, you've done that. It's like, check. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was wanting to go to the fighter weapons school, the Air Force version of Top Gun. And, you know, I mean, I had a very clear career track in my mind. And after I came back to combat and I had the good fortune and, you know, have some stories now to wrap it up with a bunch of MIGs and seen a lot of things that most F-15 people didn't have a chance to see. So I kind of went to the Super Bowl and, you know, I had a chance to see, this is kind of glib and I don't mean to make it sound tougher than it is, but I kind of had a chance to see like what I do when the bullets start flying, literally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that kind of that kind of experience that going through the fire and, you know, they talk about it just in terms of, you know, the journey and the hero's journey and all that kind of stuff is like, it allowed me to shed a skin that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to shed. And so, you know, leaving that part of my life behind and then beginning a journey where now the intensity is brought to the question around how do you live as a human being? Mm-hmm. instead of just okay you know high octane high speed high everything and now that intensity gets brought to how do i show up as a human being how do i show up as a father a husband you know all these other things which make frankly the game of life um much richer just in terms of what the possibilities are yeah yeah that's a great segue that, that combination of the background and we all have these backgrounds of some type in our lives and um, I think the military transition sounds like uh, maybe maybe in some ways like a transition out of a business as an entrepreneur because our entire identities can become the business. Um, but but one of those big transitions. So I want to take us to um, so all of our members are, are basically our entrepreneurs in various stages of their journey. Um, and as you and I have talked about, entrepreneurs suffer immensely from the life impacts of stress and anxiety when when we're in this lifestyle, which it really is a lifestyle. It's not just running a business. It's the entire, our entire lives can get pulled into this. When we look at what military high performers have to do, it puts things in perspective. And of course, there's a lot we can learn. So based on your experience as a human performance coach, how do you map techniques for high performance in combat and techniques you've mastered in mindfulness and self-care sense to the entrepreneurial experience? If we want to achieve that mastery of self, where do we begin? Yeah. So I think, you know, if I, 
one of the things that I brought with me from the flying world was this thing called the OODA loop. You know, and the OODA loop stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. And it's a model for decision making, you know, when you're in, 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 in close in combat with another airplane, or it's a model for how you kind of move through the world. So it applies everywhere. And, you know, as it's the observe and orient part are the part that we don't pay attention to. And so, and, you know, to be honest with you, even in the military, there's a lot of focus on tasks, on executing, on getting things done. So, you know, in the OODA loop, we talk about observe, orient, decide, and act. So, you know, and the simplest thing is you walk in across the room, you observe that there's a table in the middle, you orient yourself to that, you decide you're not going to hit it, so you go around it. And that's the decide and act piece, super straightforward. When you're flying in combat, you know, you see one airplane pull into you, you observe that, you orient yourself to that and go, ooh, if I do that, if he does this, I can't shoot weapons at him. So I get out of plane and I readjust. And then, so that OODA loop is happening. In the, but the observant orient part is the part that we don't pay attention to. Frankly, it's not very well taken care of in the military community. And it's not very well taken care of in the entrepreneurial community as well. I mean, honestly, when I look still at the military and how they select for high performers, it's basically they're going to grind you out. And if you can manage the grind and make it through, I mean, it's old school mm. and you know, there's, there's not a lot of intelligence in that selection process. Mm. And, and I think it's the same in the entrepreneurial world, you know, having done a bunch of startup myself, you know, and having come home at two o'clock in the morning, my first day at work and my wife looking at me like WTF, are you kidding me? This is what we're signing up for. I'm like, I swear, this is the only time I'll do this. And of course it wasn't, <laughs> but the observant orient part is like, okay, how do we start doing things differently than we normally do? Because, you know, when you talk about performance, if you talk about performance in the context of, you know, just how you do everything else, frankly, you are sticking yourself at the same level. So let me just kind of level it up here. The saying how you do anything is how you do everything applies here. So if you bring to performance and how you want to excel at performance, the same head that's causing you to wipe out from stress, that's causing you to not eat well, that's causing you to skip on sleeping, then your self-improvement program, the how am I going to make, quote, Mark better as a human being so he can perform better and kill it at work, that's a failing proposition. So my perspective on, the, on, on, on human performance now is not just, oh, how do I do better when I show up to work? It's how do I elevate out of my normal thing so I can bring a different, frankly, level of consciousness to this question of performance? And so now it's not, oh, you know, I got to get up. I got to do X. I got to do Y. I got to do Z. I got to hit the gym. I got to, you know, and I'm blocking all my time out, you know, 15 minutes for the kids. Now it becomes a question of, what am I doing differently as a human being? What kind of mindset can I bring? So this question of how I do it actually opens the aperture for something different to emerge, not just my normal habits that maybe have driven me into a corner already. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it sounds to me somewhat like short-term optimization thinking and long-term optimization thinking, right? Because I there's an argument that in the moment, working 16 hours straight to get something done that I think is an important milestone is going to deliver something. Now, there's also the argument that like my intelligence probably went to zero in hour five and I'm producing an absolute turd in the end that's not going to move me forward. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs fall into this like I either can't make time for the long term optimization or whatever's right in front of my nose is so important that I can't look away from it to optimize for that long-term piece. You must have yeah. experienced some of that. I'm in combat. I mean, how do you not look at what's right in front of you, right? You're not thinking about next Tuesday, what you're going to have for lunch. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so you're exactly right. I mean, sometimes the mission's got to get done. And that's just the deal that the mission's got to get done. But if your answer to everything is the mission's got to get done, then what you're missing is the ultimate mission, which is your life as a human being. I mean, honestly, it, it, the other cool thing about going to combat is it puts everything in perspective. So when you come back home after that particular experience, um, 
you know, it rearranges your priorities just in terms of what matters and what doesn't matter. And, you know, to be, to be really frank with you, you know, I was a single guy when I was flying fighter jets and that was a conscious decision. And just because, you know, all I wanted to do was fly jets. And I knew that a relationship in that context was not a really workable thing and nor was it a priority. But then when I got married and I had a family, like that became my priority. And even though there was times where I had to be out till two o'clock in the morning, getting a deliverable out and so on and so forth, you know, in the big picture as a human being, the way that I wanted to show up, the life that I wanted to lead, the, really the choice does not then become every day is mission critical for a deliverable. And I've got to be, you know, up 16 hours because then frankly, um, I'm just going to say there's a bigger game at play and it's called the game of life. And if your aperture is that tight, you know, this is just one man's perspective. uh, You're going to kind of be missing the boat and you're not going to be happy. And, and, you know, happiness, maybe that's not what's of interest to you right now, but at some point in life, um, you know, first it's going to come at you tickle, you know, feathers going to scratch you on the neck. That doesn't wake you up. Then you know, you're going to get a twig between the eyes. If that doesn't wake you up, it's going to be a two by four. And if that doesn't wake you up, it's going to be an oak tree. And how many times do we hear that story? So um, you can either stop and listen to the message or you can wait for the two by four to hit you across the eyes. I'm all about stopping and listening to the message at this point, but you know, it's just a different way. That's, that's an incredible, incredible way to think about it. Folks who are listening, I'm sure we can all relate these kind of, I talk about as talk them about them as like cracks in the foundation. It's that, yeah. that stress response we start to fill in our body and, and it does. You're exactly right. It starts as a tickle. Like oh, I couldn't sleep well last night because my mind was racing or gosh, I'm just not comfortable in this situation. Um, you know, maybe I'll have a beer or two before I go do that presentation or, you know, it just keeps digging and digging. Right. Um, and, and you're right. The two by four comes in the Oak tree. Uh, and, and I've been there. I've been in the Oak tree moment on the floor, unable to move crushed, by stress actually after my exit, not even before because the habits I built, uh, I ignored the two by four. I thought eh, <laughs> I can survive another two by four, but you're right. It wasn't a two by four. next. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing I want to emphasize is that, um, and, and I just, I want to share a little bit of my internal process right now. So, um, you know, just for the folks that are watching, it's like what I'm doing now is just tuning into kind of where my, what my state is. You know, and I feel like, like I'm broadcasting at a certain level of intensity, right? And I'm like, you know, that reflects that kind of high intensity dude. And I don't mind that, but I actually want to come from a different place. I'm going to try to kind of frankly, consciously gear my system down here. And, you know, what I want to point out here is that what we're talking about now is highly countercultural. So, you know, the mythology, the stories that we tell, certainly in the world that we live in, and especially in the entrepreneurial world, is that you go, you go, you grind, you grind, you get it, you get it. And it's all about staying in motion and being active. And what I'm suggesting is if you want to play at the highest level of the game, the highest level of game is not running around like an ant. The highest level of the game is being able to stop. It's being able to listen. It's being able to hang in silence. And it's being able to open up with a degree of humility that allows something new to emerge. If you you are just playing the game the way that you've done everything else in life, I'm not saying there's not going to be success. I'm not saying there's, it's not important to do that because that brought, brings a certain level of success. But what I'm saying is, is when you start bumping into walls, when you start realizing that your normal way of business is not accomplishing what it needs to do, and when you start realizing you're paying a very human price for that, whether it's in relationships, whether it's your own well-being, whether it's the well-being of others, then that's when you have to stop and take a look and do something that's 100% outside the box. And I think the words that really capture that are the two words of radical self-compassion and radical self-awareness. And 
to open up into that is to open up into something different. And for me, that's what performance is about at this stage. It's a completely different thing than we normally think. That's incredible. I want to talk a little bit about your tools, the the practical things that you do, because I think we've done a good job of talking about kind of the the high level structure of why intensity maybe isn't the answer and, and, and what's underneath that. So looking back on your transition from military to civilian life, I know a transition is that that transition specifically is really hard on a lot of veterans. Um, in that transition, you began this new and entirely different chapter as a practicing Buddhist. You're talking to us about radical self-awareness and radical self-compassion, which with your background is, is just obviously it seems like there's been some sort of epiphany in transition or just time. Um, and I think these are things that entrepreneurs can use a lot more of. So what, what are the tools or habits that you've taken with you as a coach and an entrepreneur that you found most effective in managing stress in, in business and in life? Like what, what does your routine look like in order to be where you are now? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I tried a lot of different things. <clears throat> so, you know, like I mentioned, when I got out of the air force, I had checked a certain square and, um, you know, I was decided to go fly for the airlines. And if I didn't go fly for the airlines, <laughs> I was going to go buy an RV and go live up in Alaska in the middle of nowhere. I mean, that's what kind of I was looking at. And then I ended up doing the airlines. I did it for two years. And then no offense to my airline pilot buddies, but flying from LA to New York for 30 years was just, you know, I would have been a mess as a human being. And so, you know, that's not what I decided to do. So I started exploring things and, you know, martial arts has been something that's integral to my, to my life from the very beginning. And then through martial arts is where I found meditation and mindfulness. And, you know, I had the good fortune of when I tried that on, it's like that really fit me well, the whole meditation and mindfulness thing. Now, what I would say to folks is like, you know, at Founders First, there's a lot of techniques that are being taught. And the the most important thing is to find the technique that fits you well and to integrate that into your life. If you're integrating something into your life and you, you know, try to fit it in, et cetera, et cetera, and you can't find a way to do that, then I think it's at some point you just find something else. And so for me, when I found mindfulness, it was like, you know, this is what I want to do. I do it every day and I try to be mindful off the cushion, but you know, what, and, and, you know, and for me, again, it's just something that fits supernaturally. So to wake up and do mindfulness practice or to find some time in the middle of the day and I, you know, and I love working out and I know I have to move my body. These are things that I just know about myself. Mm-hmm. So I move my body and I practice and I try to do that every day. When I can't do that, either A, my wife says, get the hell out of the house and go do something because you're driving me nutty or B, um, you know, I'll see the difference. But the other piece is, to, again, that radical self-compassion to go, you know, I'm doing my level best here. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do that today, you know, then it's okay. And knowing full well that if I'm doing that three or four days in a row, then that radical self-compassion has turned into something else, right? And then it's time to kind of bring some discipline to bear. So for me, you know, I generally speaking will wake up and I'll do my practice because I got children and all that kind of good stuff, just like David was talking about last week. It's like, you know, that's when I do my thing. But I also try to find time during the day to just stop and just be mindful, take a couple breaths, orient myself and cool out. And then the other thing that's a practice for me, just in terms of a human being, is when I'm there with my wife or my daughters. It's like, no kidding, being there 100%. So that becomes like less of a mindfulness practice in terms of I need space from human beings, but more of a practice of, oh, this is how I'm going to show up. And so, again, I think the thing is to find who you are and what you are and what fits you and then put that cloak on, so to speak, and then make that part of your life. So it's not something you're trying to bolt on because if you bolt on, then invariably it gets difficult. If you start failing, the talk tracks start about how bad we suck and how bad this, and you can't do anything right. And if that's what it's doing to you, all it's doing is just become an exercise in, in, in self-punishment. 
And, mm-hmm. and, and so at that point I say, Hey, move on. So that's more or less kind of the head that I bring to all that, but I hold it, to be honest with you, I hold it pretty loosely now. Um, just in terms of like, eh, 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 I'm just like, you know, I kind of trust that I'm going to show up in a certain way. And my first step is always the, am I being kind? Am I being compassionate? Is, am I bringing an open heart to the table for myself? Because if I can bring that, then I can bring it for others. And then that's the point that I'm going to start kind of every day at. And that to me is what is, is what's become the practice. Yeah. Yeah. So folks in, in that are listening here that are entrepreneurs, um, tell us a bit about your philosophy. Like if we're, if we're facing this kind of pivot in our life right now, how do we set ourselves up for success? You kind of talked about one thing in, in what you were just sharing stood out to me. I, you said something like, I tried a lot of things in that moment of transition. That really resonated with me after my exit when I found myself distinctly unhappy and at, at one of the lowest health points in my life, although I had the most success, you could say, and notoriety and money in my life at that point. Um, one of the things I did too is kind of tear up my own playbook in that moment and just try lots of things. I tried to kind of move from a, a fixed mindset to a growth mindset, right? Where things that I had in in the you know high pace world of, of entrepreneurship, I just had to create shortcuts about everything. I didn't have time to investigate that. That's bad. That's good. That's weird. Weird people do that. Cool people do that. Successful people do that. Put it in all these buckets. And then I had this moment where I went, I don't know if any of that's true. Um, I need to try it again. What, what will you share with people about in this moment? If someone's just sold a company or a company's failing and they have to make a transition or a lot of people in our community are actually just starting their company. They're yeah. like brave enough and confident enough to leave whatever the thing is of the past to start. And that's a huge transition, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but first is, you know, acknowledge the transition and, and then own that. And, you know, frankly, be gentle with yourself. I mean, that's a wide open space. And, you know, for me, the metaphor is like, you are literally falling in space. There's no ground. You're not standing on the familiar. And, you know, that takes a lot of guts to make that step. So, you know, to know that you're in unfamiliar ground, that you're leaning into something and to be curious about that journey, you know? So a lot of times we're focused on, success what are the success metrics you know am i am i am i performing and am i not performing and in the middle of everything we're evaluating how good we're doing and how bad we're doing Mm -hmm. let me tell you when you're flying a jet at mach one you can't be thinking about how good am i doing or how bad am i doing if you're not present and in the moment right like bad things happen really really fast at that speed Mm -hmm. and even though it's hard to go well you know i'm not flying at mach one what does it matter being present in the moment allows a kind of a curious mindset to emerge. And so all this thing about, you know, time and all this thing about distraction and everything, it's like, how about setting that aside to no kidding experience what's happening right now, whether you're transitioning out successfully, whether you're transitioning out unsuccessfully, whether you're just opening a company, right? Whether you're in the middle of the throws, it's like, there can always be time to just like take measure of what's going on and orient yourself to a true north that's maybe a little bit greater than yourself and allows for more possibility than you can imagine. I mean, you know, if somebody would have told me 25 years ago that, you know, me, that badass whiskey drinking fighter pilot who wanted to do nothing but fly and push in the afterburners would be maybe a reasonably easy to get along Buddhist kind of guy. Um, I would have said no effing way. And yet I find myself here and it's just from the good fortune of having bumped into people and things and just stopping to take a moment and seeing, all right, what does this really mean to me? And, and again, it's that it's, it's the capacity to listen, the capacity to stop, the capacity to tune in and just bring a degree of humility to your life. And, and again, it doesn't mean you don't, bring that same level of intensity to what you're doing normally, but it's just that you have a bandwidth that you're playing in. Mm-hmm. And so in the transition, explore that bandwidth and play there and bring a sense of playfulness to it. Because honestly, it can be kind of fun, you know, I mean, it's not all hard work. <laughs> to our guests, I've got two more questions for Mark. So if you've got a question, now is the time, drop it into chat. I will pick it up and we will talk about it in 
our last couple minutes here. Um, so Mark, it, it, what you were sharing there made me think of something you and I have talked about in the past and you're going to have to help me ask the question the right way, <laughs> but I want to dig in around this concept of situational awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And this, I think it's an interesting case where my understanding of how you've shared this with me is that like, that's a moment where certain types of intensity actually don't help, right? Situ- situational awareness, as I see it in, in the broader scope of life, just means kind of understanding where I am in time and space and what's going on and, and not just how I'm feeling internally, but maybe how everyone around me, if I'm in the boardroom, situational awareness is what are we working on and how is John feeling today and how is Sally feeling today and everything around me from the weather to the temperature in the room or all these inputs that I could have. And in the air, obviously, those, all those pieces of data become even more critical because not all of them are friendly right. um, and there's a lot at risk. So uh, can you walk me through, like, it seems like that crazy intensity we bring to a lot of things as entrepreneurs might actually be a detriment in a situation like that. Because aren't we smarter and can hold more information when we're calm? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I'll try to re- frame this back in that OODA loop piece. So the observe, orient, decide, and act. You know, in Zen, they talk about polishing the mirror, right? And getting the ego out of the way so that you can see clearly what's unfolding around you. Mm-hmm. So if you can see what's happening at the human level, we can just see what's happening in terms of the phenomenal world that's unfolding for you and trust your instrument as a human being. I mean, this body is taking in so much information in terms of all the things that we talked about. And then rather than kind of trying to hold on to it, relaxing, being in that moment and trusting your wisdom mind to allow the most important thing to emerge just in terms of situational awareness, like what needs to happen right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's that acceptance and the, and the degree which you can kind of get out of the way by just observing and orienting and taking your agenda out. That's what allows SA to unfold situational awareness. If you're in a fighter jet and you show up and you go, this is the tactic we're going to execute against these bandits. And all of a sudden the bandits do something different and you are stuck to doing that particular tactic, you're done. So you have to show up with max flexibility, with no attachment to anything, mm-hmm. always saying yes to what is being presented by the world, never saying no, because no is going to create distance it's going to create tension and it's going to create a certain amount of you're going to be draining yourself because you're resisting what actually is and so sa is really being able to tune into what actually is and trusting your innate talent your innate skills your innate smarts to point you in the right direction in terms of this is the thing that's going to make a difference now Mm -hmm. that's what you let unfold yeah you Yeah, let me speak a little bit also about just acceptance because people go, well, you got to accept everything. Well, you know, that's kind of messed up because I'm not down with that. So first of all, there's like a radical illusion of control, which is also something we as entrepreneurs and intense people bring to the table. It's like, I'm just going to grind this out and I can control all the uncontrollable, you know, probably not. (laughs) And then there's a difference between acceptance and resignation. So resignation has this sense, right? Like, you know, I'm just going to try to show it my body where your shoulders are hunched over and you're like, you know, wah, 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 right? You're just kind of like this. Whereas acceptance is like, you know, your, your heart's open, you're leading, you're astute, you're aware, you're present, right? And it's like, and there's no, you're, you're not looking for a distraction. You're not, you're not hoping and you're not fearing that things aren't what they are. I mean, how much time would entrepreneurs spend going, oh, this is the deal that closes and then I get X, Y, Z or, oh my God, if this doesn't happen, then X, Y, Z. It's like, you know, leave all that behind and simply be present in the moment, accepting what is. And that takes so much tension out of the body, you know, and that's not resigning. That's accepting, you know, and that's a very active verb, you know, what it means to actually accept. Yeah. And that's essay. I want to um, I want to dig in on stress a little bit. This will be my last question. We've got a bunch flowing in from the audience here, so this is going to be cool. Um, stress. 
is stress the enemy. Now we, we know through some research around flow, you and I have talked about this, that some amount of stress is activating, gets us maybe off the couch, gets us excited about where we're going to go. Now, intense people me, like me probably overreact a little bit to that stress and get really excited and, and amp it up. But yeah, how, how much stress is helpful? Like, how do we direct it towards better performance? We notice we're under some amount of stress instead of, you know, trying to fight it, as you're talking about here. How do we, what, what's the better way to handle this? Um, yeah. Experience this? So, um, my, remember we talked about that thing called the internal selfie? Mm-hmm. So, you know, just for the folks that are listening, internal selfies, like, oh, we take a selfie normally, right? So an internal selfie is we, we turn the lens inward and we go, how am I doing? How's my mind? How's my body? How's my nervous system, right? And so what we end up doing, and this goes back to the radical self-awareness, if we start teaching ourselves, not just doing external selfies, but doing internal selfies and start knowing what our organism and its capacity are, right? Basically, if I start learning how to tune my instrument, then the question about stress doesn't become like, okay, here's the cookie cutter answer. The, the, the answer to stress becomes, where am I? What's the situation? And how do I want to show up to this party? And what does stre- stress add or detract? So mm-hmm. if I'm flying a jet and I step out to the jet and I'm missing stress, that's actually a huge red flag for me. It's like, dude, you are not on your A game. You need to mind your P's and Q's up there. And you don't want to show up with this thing with your hair on fire because you are not there today. Mm. So you best be very, very cool. You know? And how do I know that? It's because there's a there's an internal state, and this is state awareness. This is that internal selfie. So knowing the internal state that I want to be in when I show up to something, that's what super informs me. When I walk in the door. And I'm showing up and my wife and daughter are there and I'm jacked up because I just got out of a business meeting or something like that. And things didn't go my way. It's like, I take that internal selfie and I'm like, dude, you are not the guy. You are not the husband. You are not the dad that needs to be showing up to this party. So, you know, bring some of the little nifty tricks you've learned as a human being to bear. And this is the state you want to shift into. Shift into the state. And if you can't shift into the state, be super honest and go, hey, humans. I am not here right now. I'm a chocolate mess. Give me five minutes and then I'm going to try to show up in my best way. So I think the answer to that is, you know, every human is an instrument. Know your instrument. Know how you want to show up. Develop that internal selfie so you start getting really familiar with where you want to be in different situations. What's it feel like when you're going to be showing up at your best? And then from that, being able to kind of work the dials and go, okay, I need to chill it out or I need to push it up a little bit. And then again, through some of the techniques that y'all show and some of the other things that are out there, you just start developing the inner attunement so you can figure out where you want to play as a human being in a situation and what makes the most sense to you. Yeah, you're, you're reminding me in that that you know what we do inside our peakability program for for entrepreneurs here at Founders First is um, something called a daily scorecard where we're looking across these kind of five areas of of mental health that are very commonly off the rails for us as entrepreneurs. So, energy, calm, mood, our yep. identity, uh, and happiness. Um, and and it's exactly what you're talking about. We actually suggest people use that that bit of self analysis using our framework or any framework as you're talking about here. Um, in their team meetings and bring it to their company. Isn't it incredible to sit down with your team and know that I'm I'm the chocolate mess you just talked about? Yeah. <laughs> maybe we need to not push me today, but other people are in their A game and maybe those people could even take the big challenge next and I'm not in a place to do it right now. 100%, man. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Questions. We got a couple of good ones here. Let's start with, um, I think Stevens looks like the most fun to me so far. So we'll go a little... Um, I don't know. Maybe it's not lighthearted because I know there's there's real intention behind this. But um, he asked the question of what are the Air Force Air Force's tactics to help pilots get eight hours of sleep? Like, how do you actually pull it off? And then if the answer includes nutrition, uh, what's better than pizza and Red Bull? (laughs) 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 Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, the no one's got a sleep monitor on you or anything like that. But, you know, what the intention is behind it, I think, is what's most important. how do you beat Red Bull? Well, a stiff shot of whiskey, just in the spirit of that. But um, no, I mean, you know, I think it's, I think again, it, it like 
you you're flying a you're flying an F-15 or an F-22 or whatever the case might be because people know you have the capacity to do that. So that same capacity brings responsibility and accountability. And that's the game at hand. And um, you wouldn't be there if you couldn't play that game. And sometimes, you know, guess what? Things are terrible and you're not sleeping and you need to come up and go, hey, boss, I'm not ready to jump in this jet and make shit happen. So mm-hmm. That's a great point, actually. You brought up what you just said right there. Like, can you do that in the military? And how do we do that as entrepreneurs? Like when we take that internal selfie and we realize we're not in that place. Um, this has been a big topic of some of our recent conversations. People ask Brad Feld this and Jerry Colonna this, like, how do you talk to your investors and say, like, I need a week, you know, I'm not in a great place or I need a day. Um, how do we do that instead of trying to act like we're great and then just crashing and burning miserably as, as, as you know, failing in what we want to do? Yeah. Well, you know, I guess I'm going to pick apart your question a little bit because, you know, why does great mean not, you know, like burning the candle at both ends. So I was like, I, I don't see any relationship with that. And I think, you know, for me, the conversation with the investor is like, you have confidence in me. That's why you invested. You have confidence in this team. And that's why you invested. And for you to step forward as a human being and have confidence in yourself, right? And not be listening to all the little, you know, little voices in your noggin that are kind of telling you something different. And to show up to the party and go, this is what needs to happen right now. And this is how I'm going to protect your investment. And so instead of the great being nonstop activity, which is bullshit, greatness being, you know what, I need to tap the brakes here. And that's how I do it. You know, the best commander I ever had, the, um, the coolest thing he ever told us as, as, as our leader was, if you're in an F-15 and that thing is out of control and you're at 10,000 feet, you bail out of that jet. So you take care of your life. And, and the reason he said that is because 10,000 feet was like, that's when you need to be getting out because the things are bad in that 15, 10,000 goes to zero really fast. And he basically is communicating for that. My, I care for your life a lot more than I care for that machine. And oh, by the way, if you crash an F-15, he wasn't going to make, you know, full bird kernel or whatever it was. He didn't care because mm-hmm. what he cared about was you as a human being. So to show up to your investors and go, yeah, what? I play hard. I'm really good at what I do and have that confidence to go. And as part of that, here's the call. We need a week off and that's, what's going to make this thing good. Wouldn't it be credible if every investor today went to their CEOs and their portfolio companies leaders right now and said exactly what that commander said to you when you're at 10,000 feet, get out, raise your hand. And in these cases, you know, maybe we can help, right? Yeah. Maybe we can be here together because it's not an airplane and you're not alone. Right? Yeah, no, exactly. 100%. Incredible. All right. Um, Daphne asked, uh, thanks for the great session. Um, my question is, how do you get past the coulda, woulda, shoulda's? Is there a mental trick or hack one should implement? That, that self, talk about it, that voice back there, right? It's always there. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for the question, Daphne. And that's a super great question. And, and what I really appreciate about it is it really deepens the conversation. So, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda is the small the small self, the, the, the big ego, you know, however you want to frame it, basically um, diminishing the value of who you are as a human being. So here's, here's what I would say. Um, first, we're acculturated to listen to that stuff, right? Because, you know, when you're small, people are kind of going this, 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 and we internalize those voices and we have a critic, we have a judge, you know, whatever. There's entire schools of psychology built around this thing. But here's what I would say. Don't try to push it away because the other thing is what you resist will persist. So if I say, don't think about a pink elephant, all you can say, you, the only way you can internalize that is, okay, I'm not going to think of a pink elephant. I'm not going to think of a pink elephant, but guess what's at the forefront? Pink elephant. So if those voices are coming in and you're going, should have, would have, could have, and you're going, eh, I don't want to think about that. Guess what? All you're going to do is think about that. So here to me is the solution. I'm not going to say it's a hack because I'm kind of like not super psyched that there's this whole thing about, oh, we're just going to hack this. We're going to hack that. We're going to hack this. We're going to hack that because, um, you know, there's not shortcuts in life to everything. But here's what I'll say is in the shoulda, woulda, coulda dialogue, number one goes back to acceptance. And the second thing it goes back to, if you're not hearing kindness in your internal dialogue, it's bullshit. Period, dot, and the question. I don't care what it is. And so 
you know, if you are hearing voices that are coming across in a way that you wouldn't talk to, you know, if you have kids, your three-year-old kid, if you have nieces and nephews, your three-year-old nephew, with kindness, compassion, and love, right? And it doesn't mean you have to be kind of completely willy-nilly, but if it's not kind and compassionate, it's bullshit. And there's no exceptions, none, zero, none. It's bullshit. And then, you know, the, the, the game, and this is the beauty of mindfulness and meditation, is just to disidentify. You know, and then they talk about, you know, watching the thoughts go by like clouds in the sky, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the, the point, the better point to take is it's lies, it's bullshit. All it's doing is creating an ego story. And it moves you away from the capacity of silence, from the capacity of the wisdom mind, and from the capacity of, of great acceptance. I mean, ask yourself, what if everything is perfect as it is? I mean, ask yourself that question. And, you know, and at some level, yeah, sure, it's not. But just to hold that question opens up different possibilities outside of shoulda, woulda, coulda. So should have, would have, could have is always going to be there because that's just, that's part of having a Western cultural mind and take some space from it, right? And especially if it's being mean to you, you know, push that away. And if, and if you can't, if you can't disidentify, be kind to yourself about that, right? Like accept the whole thing and just sit there with that. And, um, and it's brutal and it's punishing, but it just provides such a different form of relief than you would ordinarily find. That's incredible. Yeah. Our, uh, our next question is from Tez Steinberg. I know you know Tez. Um, yeah. Tez is a founder first community member who just completed his solo unsupported row from California to Hawaii a couple of weeks ago. Um, first nice human sport. being ever do it on a first attempt. So Tez, I'm so glad you're here. Tez's question is, um, Mark, it's clear you learned and grew from each of your experiences. They each played a role in your journey. Um, but is there anything you'd do differently if you did it all again? What advice would you give yourself when you were 35 to enjoy more of life? Yeah, great question. You know, um, my really straightforward and honest answer is um, I don't look back and wish I'd done anything differently because, you know, and this is kind of trivial spiritual bullshit, but it's kind of, this is how I landed in this seat at this moment with this head. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the honest, the, the, you know, with as much humility as I could possibly like bring to bear, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm okay with all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm speaking to myself, you know, if I'm looking at myself or, you know, what I tell my daughter, is, um, you know, trust the journey, listen to yourself, right? And stay cool until you don't. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that's in the same spirit of what I said in the beginning, like, ah, I'm okay with all of it. And, and, and so it's just like, you know, pay attention, listen. And, and so, um, and again, I, I feel it's a little bit trite, but uh, but I think it speaks to where where uh, what makes sense to me. And Tez, if you're on there, way to do it, man! I saw you at the Human Performance Conference, and I'm so glad you friggin' made it, dude. Awesome. <laughs> uh, we felt the same way. Just incredible. If it hadn't been for COVID, I was going to be on a plane in Hawaii cheering him. <laughs> oh, right. Rolled into the yacht club over there. Oh my <laughs> god! You know, with the. Right man lost its sea beard and in uh, his pink <laughs> carbon robo, right? Just incredible. incredible. Yeah, that's amazing work. All right. If you were going to drop two or three pieces of advice on us to, to kind of summarize this up, to give entrepreneurs um, who are struggling to manage themselves uh, to, to get to that better performance yeah. and success, we're doing it wrong right now. Um, where do we start? How do we stick with it? Give us a couple nuggets. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to say the, the first piece is what I mentioned early on is like how you do anything is how you do everything. And when it comes to well-being, um, find a different head around it than your normal head because it requires something different. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I would say. Second is, you know, bring a sense of joy to life and open your heart up to the possibilities. And again, this is, sounds like 
you know, the, the fighter pilot part of me right now is going, dude, really? Is that what you're going? But I'm like, yeah, no, honestly, that's for real. Um, there's a lot of joy out there and make sure you're finding joy and sometimes in your life. And if you're not, um, that should raise some flags and, and really take a moment and stop and think about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, the last thing I'll say is the, the, the most precious commodity in the world today is silence. Like you can't find that anywhere anymore. You go out in the woods and there's airplanes. You go to the airport, friggin' CNN or Fox are just kind of harassing you nonstop. The phone is distracting you. I mean, it's just relentless. Silence is the most valuable commodity on the planet today. And in that silence is where we find ourselves as genuine human beings. And that's where we can connect into our heart. That's where we can connect into our wisdom mind. That's where we can find the you know, the, the love of life that kind of fuels everything that we're trying to do as entrepreneurs, as people moving through the world, as human beings trying to connect with others. Um, you know, less is more. It really is. So. Incredible. I think that's a great way to wrap it up. Mark, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom. And of course, thank you so much for your service to our country. And just thank you for being the human being that you are. I think your impact on on me and other entrepreneurs and, and everyone listening here is is also incredible in scope. So we're also appreciative. Um, folks, you can find Mark in the Founders First community. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. This was incredible. And I'll see everybody next time. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Aaron. Much appreciated. Take good care. Take good care, folks. Thank you for joining us at Founders First. This conversation continues in the Founders First community. Search Founders First community in the App Store on your phone to learn how to prioritize your health and wellness to become more successful. Get your questions answered by top entrepreneurs and receive notifications about upcoming shows. Until next time, stay healthy, be at your best, go change the world. Thank you.